This can be played at high volume. Live and local. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday. And you know what that means. Finally time for the world famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no holds barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And welcome back. Hour two of two is officially underway. And we got a stack lineup for you in hour number two. We got Jake Griffith coming on the program the next 10 minutes or so. We're going to talk about. We are Marshall, not we are Penn State. Sorry, one Joe McHugh. And also, we're going to talk about the Marshall Thundering Herd joining the Sun Belt and so much more with him at 10.15. Then we bring on an old friend. I'm absolutely so happy he is back on this show. And that is one Ross Jackson at 10.30. Can't wait to talk about those New Orleans Saints heading into training camp this time next week. Hopefully you're having a good one so far and appreciate you listening in to, as the ratings book put it earlier this week, the reigning, defending, undisputed sports talk radio station in Southwest Louisiana. That's how we call it here. Is where the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, and we stand head and shoulders above the rest. We are the tribal chief, the head of the table. And it's an honor to be part of this fine station and bringing you great sports talk as we always do. And every week during the summer I've been doing this, and it's been it's been a lot of fun just going back and looking up at how these power rankings have gone. They've been more sports-oriented the last couple weeks after the first couple were more fun conversations. Maybe we bring those back. And we get you involved. 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. About the top five training camp storylines. And I'm going NFL-wide. If you want to go more Saints-wide and you want to give me your most interesting training camp storyline, Far be it for me to stop you. So again, the number to dial is 337-706-0111. But again, if you don't, whatever. We got takes for days. I like Jim Rome would say. So let's go ahead and start off with number five. And this, it's the same storyline I think I'm most intrigued in. Is seeing how Jameis Winston looks post-ACL surgery. The OTAs and stuff like that, it's looked great. But I want to see how he does as we progress through training camp, how his body holds up. Again, Miracle of Modern Medicine, the ACL isn't necessarily a career ender anymore. But how does Jameis feel when he's under pressure? Now, obviously, he won't be getting hit. It's pretty much it's practice. But knowing he's going to be in a lot better shape is a huge step in the right direction. I think also I'm interested to see how he's going to look once we get into 
you know, a preseason game. Give me at least one preseason game Jameis is in, even if it's a series. Just show me how he looks when live bullets are flying. And I'm talking half, even if it's half speed. Mind you, if you do half speed in the NFL, it's going to wind up not being good. But if it's like full speed, full go, and Jameis Winston does well in that first series drive, whatever, I think it's a success for the black and gold. That's the biggest thing for me. Yes, I would love to see Michael Thomas be able to be active and ready to go, and I'm hoping he does, but there's no guarantees how that team does indeed look. Obviously, Will Lutz is another one, but I think Jameis Winston is the thing that stands head and shoulders above the rest in terms of my power rankings, if you're talking about the New Orleans Saints. Number four has to be the second-year growth from Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence had a bad first year. Then again, anybody who's on the Jacksonville Jaguars team outside of Leonard Fournette in his first season has had a bad first year. I think Travis Etienne going to be healthy, ready to go. That's going to make the Jags a lot more of an interesting team to keep an eye on. New head coach, how that works out. Mac Jones, he had a really solid first year with Bill Belichick. Then again, I think Bill Belichick could make you know chicken salad out of chicken bleep, if we're being quite honest with you. And I think he proved that with one Mac Jones, a guy that I don't think everybody was kind of surprised to see him get drafted where he was because the track record of Alabama players when it comes to the NFL, it the transition's not always great. See A.J. McCarron. To a certain extent, Tua Tagovailoa. But I think it's more the fact that he was still dealing with that injury and it kept him sidelined for the bulk of the season. But last year, a 10-7 and record in the regular season, making it to the postseason, getting your ass beat by the Buffalo Bills, that one that one hurt, but at the same time, I think they'll make the NFL and the AFC East a little bit more interesting. So I'm intrigued to see how Mac Jones looks in year number two. Trevor Lawrence, he's still going to have time to grow, and that's going to be the biggest thing the Jaguars fans have to deal with is being patient. Because, again, Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be the savior of this team. But you also had Urban Meyer. Let's see how he does with a new head coach, and let's see how he kind of comes to form in year number two. I like he's remember Joe Burrow was part of the Bengals and turned that team from a laughing stock to a Super Bowl runner up, which is not as good as being a Super Bowl champion, but an overnight success in year two. How does the game slow down for those guys? That's the big thing that we see a lot. And Joe Burrow, the game slowed down for him in year two, and he became elite. Number three, I got to go with the Denver Broncos because I think it's a new digs for Russell Wilson. Going over to mile high and playing for the Denver Broncos. Denver's looking to have success in the quarterback position for the first time in a good while since Peyton Manning donned the jersey about 10 years ago. Mind you, they won a Super Bowl with him, but it wasn't necessarily because of him. It was because their defense was one of the best defenses in the history of the league. Because by that point, Peyton Manning's arm was about to fall off. And the defense was the biggest reason why they won that Super Bowl, no doubt about. 
but how does that team look with Russell Wilson? It's a new-look team. I think the outlook for them is better, but I'm wondering how does Russell adapt to his new home in Denver? That's kind of where I'm wondering. I could also put an honorable mention for Baker Mayfield, his new home in Carolina, but we've talked about that enough. And Jake DeLone even said, I'm blown away by this. I'm sure I'll ask Ross about that later on this hour. Is the Sam Darnold-Baker Mayfield battle, why is that even a conversation? But that's kind of where I'm at. How does Russell Wilson adapt? Number two, I was talking about Tua Tungavailoa earlier. The Miami Dolphins offseason has been crazy because they've gotten things done really well. They've made some big moves. They got the big guy, Teron Armstead, to sign with the Dolphins to a pretty solid deal. They got Tyreek Hill, Devontae Parker, Xavier Howard. They are really going all in on getting everybody's favorite, Tua Tungvaloa, ready to go. And you got Teddy Bridgewater as a safeguard. That's great. Getting him back home in Miami. But he's going to be a backup. But it feels like they are trying to get all in on Tua Tungvaloa. You had a very busy offseason, trading for Tyreek Hill, signing Armstead, re-signing Xavier Howard, re-signing Ogba, who's done really well and one of the best defensive players they have. Mike Jasicki, I think he's going to be interesting in fantasy. You signed Sony Michelle, which I'm not necessarily sure that's going to be the thing that puts you over the top, but obviously there's a lot of uncertainty with guys like Chase Edmonds, and also Raheem Moster. Remember when Raheem Moster was considered one of the best running backs in the league? That was like for a hot minute. And then Elijah Mitchell basically just took over his job overnight, which is great to see from him. I can't wait to see how he does in year number two for the 49ers, even though I don't like the 49ers at all. And also they signed Thomas Morstead, the veteran punter of the New Orleans Saints. He's there. Can't wait to see how he does with that franchise. Also, I mean, that's going to be huge for them in general. So we got all that going for the Miami Dolphins. I think no doubt they're going to be a contender of the AFC East. Now, can they break that glass ceiling? Because the last couple of years, they have been a team that has a record that in any other year is good enough to be, a, can be in the playoffs. But they're just on the outside looking in. And that's something that hurts and it sucks for a lot of those players. But it kind of is what it is. And the last one is got to be, without a doubt, the Cleveland Browns. And what's going on with the quarterback battle? Will they or won't they go make another big trade to go get Jimmy Garoppolo? Because are you really? If you're a Browns fan, you've got to be pulling your hair out. Because you still don't know what's going to be going on with Sean Watson. He's reported to training camp, but will he play to start the season? Will he get suspended eight games or a year? And then we see a lawsuit. Who knows? But if if he does miss games, and if he misses eight games and you have uh, Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen, a guy that was drafted so highly, 
just a few years ago, gets traded to the Miami Dolphins after one year, and now he's become a journeyman in the NFL. He's part of the Cleveland Browns. You are entrusting your franchise for however long Deshaun Watson's out to Josh Rosen. That's that's your guy. That's your guy. Further proving why the Cleveland Browns are the biggest losers in the NFL. We talked about it last year or earlier this year when we went through the Law Cow of the Year award for the NFL. There's no doubt in my mind. He was in that list. Deshaun Watson, yes, he reported to camp, but at the same time, you have to kind of think, what else? Who else is in that mix if you're Cleveland? And if you're a fan of Cleveland, I feel sorry for you, son, because you have to deal with this whole mess for probably the bulk of the season, if not longer. Are you really wanting to – is your confidence level really there with Josh Rosen, Joshua Dobbs out of Tennessee, who hasn't played much of anything in the NFL, and Jacoby Prissett, who has only – Oh, lie. It's actually Josh Rosen's three wins on his record. Are you really that invested in Brissett and Josh Rosen to carry you to a decent enough record to when Deshaun Watson comes back from suspension or whatever to get you into the playoffs based off of that lineup? I don't necessarily think so. It's going to be a tough road for the Cleveland Browns, and I think it's going to make it that much easier of a road for the Bengals to win in the NFC North. So, Joe Burrow, enjoy this because I think that the Steelers could be back very soon, but it's not necessarily a given. We'll take a quick timeout. We're going to talk with Jake Griffith, play-by-play voice for The Herd on the Four Letter Network Plus, and also just a good friend in general. We can talk to him next. Ross Jackson at the bottom of the hour. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. After all your problems during the week, it's finally the weekend. Yeah, baby! That's what I've been waiting for. That's what it's all about. That means you're getting more under the dome with CD right now. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We'll be talking Marshall. The Thunder and Herd in a little bit. And they'll be joining the Sunbelt Conference. And we got the Sunbelt Media Days coverage on lock. We're taking over the Big Easy for Sunbelt Media Days. Tuesday, July 26th and Wednesday, July 27th. RP3 and Company, Footnotes, and Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from New Orleans for the games live from Sunbelt Media Days coverage presented by Next Home, Cutting Edge Realty, and The Wetlands. So make sure you tune in for the takeover of the 504 right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
And I'm talking about the Marshall Thundering Herd. It feels appropriate to bring on our guy. Always love having him on for a conversation in general, and that is Jake Griffith, play-by-play voice, host and digital content creator for the Marshall Thundering Herd. Jake, first off, how you been, man? Hey, Clint. Thanks for having me back on. It seems like just the other day we were talking bowl game, the the RNL Carriers Bowl, and now we blink and we're less than 50 days from football season. We're less than 50 days away from football season, and now the Marshall Herd are officially part of the Sunbelt Conference. It feels like just yesterday we were talking about the expansion. You brought it up perfectly, where we got to see a slight <laughs> preview of these two teams squaring off, and they'll be playing each other again in 2022. But what can you say about this team heading into this year? And how is there any real differences between what we saw back in December to what we're going to be seeing in, I believe this is going to be October, November? Yeah, there are a few. You know, the first one that obviously jumps off the page, and everybody goes back to the quarterback position. Grant Wells, who played in that RNL Carriers Bowl, he hit the portal. He's now at Virginia Tech, but Charles Huff and this coaching staff for Marshall, they also hit the portal. They got Texas Tech transfer Henry Columbia. Um, you know, Columbia played in five games, started five games in his career at Texas Tech. He beat West Virginia twice, so you think maybe that bodes well, but the the you know the jury might still be out from a casual fan perspective on what Columbia brings to the table. Kind of, ha- he has a good arm. Kind of has that backyard quarterback mentality where if the pocket breaks down, he is mobile. He can roll out to his left and to his right. And then after that, it's kind of freshman from there. And you know, this is going to make everybody I think listening in feel old. Uh, one of them that jumps off the page there for you, Chad Pennington's son Cole Pennington, now with the Thundering Herd. Uh, fitting image of his father and if he's you know anything like his dad on the field and that bodes well for the future of the Marshall football program and then the offensive line as well you know this is an offensive line for Marshall that that's been their strength whether it was Doc Holliday the former head coach or now Charles Huff Marshall's always known for those big hog mollies up front and they going into 2020 you know 100 and uh, I think it was up to 136 combined starts between that offensive line. Last year, they came into the season 88 combined starts. And now this year, you're looking at a team that they bring back just two starters on the offensive line, 36 combined starts. They do bring in an East Carolina transfer, a Purdue transfer, and a Rutgers transfer. But, you know, the that is now a question mark for the Thundering Herd. You, you saw it in the bowl game. They love to run the football. They've got a surefire number one guy in Rasheen Ali. You bring in Kalen LeBourne out of Florida State, the transfer. So you know the running back room is going to be deep, but can they block up front and give Columbia and the running game time? And thank you for bringing up the fact that Chad Pennington's son's on the Marshall roster. I might be filing for AARP <laughs> during the commercial break. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, my mother was in school at Marshall at the same time Chad Pennington was, so I'm sure she's probably feeling the same way listening <laughs> in right now. Exactly. Talking right now with Jake Griffith, play-by-play host, digital content creator for the Marshall Thundering Herd athletic program. And you brought up the fact you got the hog mollies and whatnot on the offensive line. What can you say about that on the other side of the trenches with the defensive line and the defense? What does it look like right now for Marshall as they head into fall camp? Well, defensive coordinator Lance Gidry, you know, I'm sure you're probably familiar oh, yes. with him a little bit. Very Cajun much so. guy came from McNeese. Uh, he was able to hit the portal as well. He got Andre Sam from McNeese State. And when I talked to Lance Gidry uh, during spring training or spring football, you know, he was 
pretty high on his defense. He has a saying. He likes his guys nasty and mean up front. And Andre Sam and some of the players they bring back, like uh, an Eli Neal at the linebacker spot, and Abraham Boplan, who uh, by all accounts – uh, will be a, a Sunbelt preseason team selection. You know, Phil Steele has him on there. Athlon Sports had him on there. But then you bring in a guy, uh, you know, you have an Anthony Watts who transferred from Purdue, defensive tackle. Isaiah Gibson at the nose tackle spot transferred from Kentucky. This was a Marshall defense last year, and defense also has been Marshall's strength. That 40 sacks last year, but they allowed 200 or more rushing yards in six games a season ago. They only did that once in 2020, so that's something that they're going to try to shore up. But you've got some really athletic, hard-hitting guys. They, they want to put hats on guys. They want to party in the backfield, and I think you're going to see a lot, a lot of that. There, there's a good balance of, of new blood with the transfer portal, but then a guy like Elijah Alston, a guy like Bo Plan, Neil, Micah Abraham, Stephen Gilmore, uh, younger brother of Stephon Gilmore of the NFL level. You know, the, the secondary as well, you have some new guys in there, maybe an Isaiah Norman from Austin P. So it'll be interesting to see how that blends, but I think the defense itself is trending upward. And you brought up Lance Gidry. Man, I, I hadn't thought about that name in a good while, but you see his, I mean, his story is amazing, first off. All the stops he's made, all the notable places yeah. he's been to, but also the fact that he was a coach back when I was in high school. Like that's how long he's been he's been in this game, brother. Been about twenty years, over twenty years, I would say, he's been in this game. But without a doubt, he's gonna be helping this defense kind of get better in twenty twenty two. But what are the big storylines you're looking forward to following as we get closer to fall camp? You know, I think the interesting thing for this Marshall team is is the draw. You know, you look at their schedule, Phil Steele grades their schedule as the 83rd hardest uh, in the country, which, you know, some may hear that and say, ah, that doesn't sound that great. That sounds like a relatively easy schedule. But you look at their four toughest Sunbelt teams that they draw this year. You mentioned Louisiana. They're going to have App State in November at home. You're going to get Coastal Carolina for Marshall's homecoming game in late October. And then you end, you, uh, you end the season against Georgia State. Your four toughest Sunbelt teams you're going to face you get them all at home, and in the last 10 years, Marshall's 46-18 and 18 at Jones C. Edwards Stadium. Their top 25 highest home winning percentage of all time. At one point, they were top 10 highest home winning percentage of all time. And so, for your first year in a new conference, and by all means is going to be a much steeper step up in difficulty than their previous conference, you know, that's not a bad draw to get your four toughest teams all four at home. Marshall's got to be thinking, hey, that kind of bodes well for us. You know, we, you, you, know, you know how home field advantage goes in college football. That could be a make-or-break difference for the Herd. And when you look at the – we bring up the Cajuns game a lot. I think it's just the fact that, one, this is going to be a midweek prime time game on the <laughs> deuce in West Virginia. And for fans that may have never have gone to John C. Edwards Stadium, or you see that all go down – in Huntington, West Virginia, what could fans expect if they make the trip up to West VA? Well, I think, for one, they're going to expect a raucous crowd. You know, Marshall, and and I, I say this as unbiased as I possibly can, you know, Marshall had one of the most diehard, well-traveled fan bases, home and away, in Conference USA. They always seemingly were at the tops in attendance and ticket sales, and all that stuff you name. And so, especially with it being a prime-time 
midweek game. Marshall's going to look for a little bit of revenge from dropping that bowl game. Uh, you know, there may or may not be a little special uniform element that goes into it, maybe a little different helmet action. You know, Marshall normally goes with those traditional white helmets, maybe switching it up a little bit for a, a primetime game like that. But I think it, the, the biggest thing for fans that are going to be traveling is they're going to be welcome to the tailgate. They're going to feel right at home. It's going to be a raucous atmosphere. And when that ball kicks off, I mean, it's going to be loud and in your face from the opening kick till when the clock hits triple zeros, I think regardless of the score. And I'd agree with that statement wholeheartedly. And, you know, one thing, you brought up the fact that they could probably bring something special out. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring something special out because I was, I'm looking at the schedule right now, and it says it's a blackout game. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised that they go with the full black gear and a black helmet, which would look pretty, which will look pretty slick on national TV. Oh, I can't wait to see it, honestly. I know that there's been some, some murmurs and some rumors about it, and so uh, I'm really looking forward to, to laying eyes on it for the first time. Marshall, they normally, uh, you know, they normally unveil that black uniform as the anniversary of that, of, of the, uh, on November 14th. The closest game to that is sort of a memorial game for those that passed in the plane crash. But to go the all black with a black helmet element, I think it would look really, really nice as well. Jake, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and more importantly, welcome to the Sunbelt Conference. Hey, I'm looking forward to it, man. Looking forward to doing five football games this year, getting a look at App State. Can't wait for that Louisiana game. It should be really, really fun. Thanks for having me. All right, that was Jake Griffith. You can follow him on Twitter, not the real Jay Griff on the Twitter. And now we get to the main course. We get to the reason why I think a lot of y'all tuned in. And that's Ross Jackson. We'll talk to him next right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers, as well as this show, Under the Dome with CD. Most sports talk shows turn it up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome is far from your ordinary sports talk show. It takes it just one step higher. These guys are laughing. Now back to the show that gets the lead out. Under the Dome with CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. God, when you hear that song, when you hear that coming out of a break, it gets you in a certain mood because we got Ross Jackson. He's on the hotline. We'll get to him in a moment because I want to tell you about how you can win an Apple Watch by sending a simple text message. That's right. We're giving away a brand new Apple Watch because we got a new text club. Had to make some changes. So why not sign up today to our brand new text club? Just text GAME to 337-283-8100. That's pretty easy to remember, right? Also, game, that's four letters. G-A-M-E, 237-283. Just remember, the lead that the Falcons blew in the Super Bowl, 8,100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win a brand new Apple Watch, and you'll have a ton of chances to score other great prizes like Astros tickets and so, so much more. It's the Game Text Club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. They also get a little, little widget on there that's what they call it in the business that you can fill out a form and then you can join the text club from our website as well trust me if you want an apple watch find a way 
you'll be able to enter in for a chance to win that. We're giving that bad boy away very, very soon. But enough talk about that. It's under the dome with CD. And more importantly, it's time to bring on our guy, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast, the Saints Wire, and man, just like Kevin Gates, don't get tired. Ross, how's it going, brother? Hey, man, I'm doing great, doing great. Glad to be back here uh, with you, man. Hope everything's going well for you. Everything is going pretty doggone well lately for me, man. It's just been it's been great. And I think it's just the fact that we are less than 50 days away from the start of college football season, and training camp for the New Orleans Saints is literally right around the corner. So I want to start off there. What is the most interesting storyline for you personally that you're going to be keeping an eye on once camp starts up? I think one of the biggest things you're going to be watching throughout camp is going to be health, right? And and it starts off at the very top of the roster right away with quarterback Jameis Winston, right? So we know that he's cleared um, or that he's going to be cleared by the time that he gets to camp. hasn't really been super clear about exactly what that is, but the expectation is that he's going to be full go uh, for camp at this point. And so that's great news because, you know, we've already seen him participating, not only present, but participating in OTAs, not only present, but participating in many camps. And so getting him there for camp is great. And one of the things you're going to be watching there is just how quickly he picks up the system because this now is, is different than last year. There's no competition. Everyone knows this is James Winston's team. The team, is being, or the, the team has been built kind of around him, and the system will be built for him. So I think that that's going to be uh, very fun. The, the other piece of the, the health conversation is going to be Michael Thomas. And so around Michael Thomas, once he's finally cleared and available for camp, how does that communication between he and – or the connection between he and James Winston, how does that build? Um, how quickly do those guys get into rhythm? Because that's a major piece in this offense that James Winston didn't have while he was healthy and available to the Saints last year. And I think that's – you brought it, brought it up perfectly. Not only Michael Thomas, but also Marcus Davenport, who are both currently on the PUP list. Mm-hmm. When would you expect them to be taken off that PUP list? Could it be within the first week, or could they be closer to that first preseason game? I'd probably give it a couple of weeks, uh, particularly for Michael Thomas. That seems to be the expectation is that he'll be cleared at some point early in camp. Going on the PUP list before training camp isn't the same as going on the PUP list at the head of, at you know as the regular season begins. They can come off this list at any time. They can come off the second day of camp. It doesn't matter. But if you're going to expect either of those guys to miss any time at all, then you put them on the PUP list, you maximize your flexibility there a little bit, and then you just swing them off the PUP list when you're ready for them to get started. So I would expect that early on in camp within the first couple of weeks for Michael Thomas. Marcus Davenport's a little bit more of a question mark, but I don't think that he'll be on that list for too terribly long. Um, and it, But he's probably the one that's a larger question mark of the two. And, you know, we, we bring up, Marcus Davenport looking at the defensive side of the football, it looks very different, but at the same time, it looks a lot more – it's taking shape now because obviously you've got mm-hmm. Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, in there. you got Demario Davis as that locker room leader, kind of taking over – picking up where he left off essentially the last few years, but I think since Drew Brees retired, he's become the de facto locker room leader. You have all these elements to kind of come together with Cam Jordan, and you're kind of setting things up. How do you see this defense looking in 2022, and especially as we get into training camp, and what's an interesting team player you're looking at that could crack that 53-man roster? Yeah, um, just to start with where the defense or, or what they'll look like in 2021, I think the thing about this defense, or 2022, excuse me, I think the thing about this defense here 
going into the season is its multiplicity. The fact that it's going to be able to look very multiple, do a lot of different things. And I think that's one of the reasons why you'll hear some people say, all right, the Saints lost Marcus Williams and, and Malcolm Jenkins over the course of the offseason. But with Marcus May and Tyron Matthew, it may actually be better. That might not necessarily be about individual safety play, but more so about the fit within the scheme. Dennis Allen loves to disguise defense. This is how he's beat Tom Brady over and over again over the past couple of years since he's been in Tampa, is with disguise and then creating confusion. Now you have guys like Marcus May and Tyron Matthew, as well as C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who can play three, four, five different multiple roles on the defensive side. Plus the way that this defensive line has been constructed, a lot of guys who can play inside and out, same thing at the, at the second level. So I think with all of that, what you'll see from this New Orleans Saints defense, once everyone is available, we expect Marcus May to be suspended early on in the season after his DUI case is taken care of. Uh, We think that this is going to be a really disguise-heavy defense, or at least a defense predicated on disguise. So I think that's what you'll see from them in 2022, one that's going to be very aggressive and one that will also attack the ball. They're going to look to generate turnovers Uh, again this year. They've had 18 interceptions over the course of the last couple of seasons. They're going to try to bolster that number, and they're going to try to be at the top of the NFL. Going into 2022, a um, name that I would watch to potentially crack the roster for the Saints that not a lot of folks are talking about is Justin Evans. Uh, there are a couple of other really intriguing guys, Bryce Thompson, Smoke Monday, all of that, but I think they're mostly going to get their opportunities based on special teams. Uh, but uh, Justin Evans is somebody that missed the 2021 season. He's had ankles to both. Um, sorry, injuries to both ankles, uh, to both feet, and you know, just took his time coming back and made sure that he didn't rush himself back out on the field. But he's somebody that can play down in the box very well. He's got some pretty good range and just a really, really smart football player at the safety position. So he would be somebody that I'm excited to watch throughout camp. Talking now, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast host. How do you see Elante Taylor kind of fitting into the mix in the secondary? Well, he's going to get an opportunity to compete opposite Marshawn Lattimore with Paulson and Debo, and I guess you can throw Bradley Roby in that conversation as well. So during camp, expect to see him getting some cute, some cornerback two snaps uh, opposite Marshawn, and I think that's going to be a spot that really is Paulson and Debo's to lose. Paulson and Debo played extremely well last year's starter there. I uh, remember Bradley Roby was actually supposed to be the starter, but Bradley was suspended for a game. Paulson and Debo got the opportunity to play that first game in his stead and then never gave up that spot. Ended up with three interceptions, 66 tackles over the course of the season. Um, and he you know, he had some up and down moments as you would expect from a rookie, but he should be in a position going into his second year where he's even more comfortable with the system, more comfortable in the scheme, and of course has a different type of safety support this year. So there'll be a, you know, some, some translation things that to keep up, but I expect Alante Taylor to, to compete there and at the very least be a core special teamer because if he doesn't win that spot at the cornerback um, at the cornerback role, look for him to be potentially the, the second gunner across from JT Gray, which is a spot that the Saints really, really struggled in last year. And, you know, Ross, looking on the offensive side of the football and looking at another rookie, I think we need to bring up Chris Olave. How do you see him mm-hmm. kind of – fitting in this group that now has a potentially a healthy Michael Thomas, Juice Landry, how do you see him kind of fitting in there? Yeah, it's funny. You know, I think a lot of us start to look at Chris Olave simply as a field stretcher and a downfield threat, but I think he's going to be able to take advantage of a lot more in this system, and he's going to be somebody that the Saints utilize in a lot of different ways. He not only is a speedy, deep threat guy with good hands, but he is, he was the best route runner coming out of the 2022 draft class of free agents. I mean, this is a guy that can do just about anything that you put him on, that you ask him to do out on the field. He's not the biggest run-after-catch threat, but if you can get him in space, you can find ways to operate with him in space, then all of a sudden 
you can create that or you can generate those opportunities for him uh, in space. And so I think that that's a lot of what you're going to see. And I think the other piece is that he's going to be you know, deemed by the sixth or seventh game of the season as a threat by opposing defenses. And that's going to start to open up the game for some of those other guys like Michael Thomas, um, uh, Jarvis Landry, and uh, yes, Jarvis Landry, and you know, any of those other, other wide receivers that uh, crack that depth chart. With Dennis Allen, this is going to be his first year back as being a head coach, taking over for Sean Payton, who has retired, possibly could be going back into the coaching realm after the season. Who knows how that all – we could probably talk about that in a moment. But what are your expectations for him in year one as training camp progresses? I I have a, I have a good bit of faith, and I think that there's a good reason to expect success from um, – from Dennis Allen. This is a unique situation for any head coach that's coming in as a first-year head coach of a new club. Um, you know, Dennis Allen is in a unique situation here to where he has helped to build the defense, which has been sort of the core piece of this team since 2017. He's been helping to build it since 2015. So he's familiar with everybody that's there. He's taking over a unit that he has built uh, in his own vision. And then he quickly revamped the offense in his own vision as well, adding guys like Chris Olave, Trevor Penning, uh, Jarvis Landry, and others. And the other thing that I think is really interesting is that, you know, usually when a head coach takes over an open coaching spot for a team or takes over as a new head coach for a team, it's not usually a winning team. It's usually a team that's kind of starting its rebuild or that's entering its new era or, or whatever. But Dennis Allen stepped into you know a team that was a nine and eight team last year, despite all of its um, missing players, fifty eight different starters, four different quarterbacks, all of that. This was still a, a winning team in twenty twenty one, a good roster, a very good roster, particularly on the defensive side going into twenty twenty two, and a lot of cohesion and continuity across the coaching staff. He made some key changes uh, where you know clearly he thought that the team needed to be you know needed to just have a different approach. But outside of that, this is mostly the same team moving into 2022. So it's a really unique situation for Dennis Allen. And I think that that, in, in addition to this being a good organization, helps you you know, have a, a bit of high expectations for Dennis Allen, maybe higher than you would usually have for a typical first-year head coach. Let's get into the Sean Payton conversation here because obviously the rumors have been swirling about him pretty much ever since he retired about going back into coaching. But if he wants to coach for another franchise, He's got to go get traded. What do you think Sean Payton as a head coach could be worth to a team? Because I think for the first time in a long time, the Saints actually have a lot of leverage here when it comes to getting draft picks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this is one of the you know most innovative, one of the best head coaches in you know the modern day era of of you know the NFL. And I think you look back to a guy like uh, John Gruden, who was traded from the then Oakland Raiders to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that yielded the, the Raiders two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and about $8 million. And I think that's probably what you're looking for. It's probably your asking price to begin with when it comes from the Saints trading away Sean Payton. And there are teams that are you know of the same sort of caliber of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that year in terms of the roster being very good that are just looking for the right coach to bring the roster to the promised land. You look at teams like the Los Angeles Chargers, that, of course, Dallas Cowboys are part of that conversation. I don't think he ends up in Dallas. I think he wants a little bit more team control than he's going to get working with Jerry. But I think you also look at you know the Los Angeles Chargers, who have the star quarterback, who have 
a very good defense who have the skill position weapons that are built there, but a, a coach that has lost them games, Brandon Brandon Saley. So if they if he does that again, I think that's a spot that makes sense. So I think that asking price starts high, a couple of first couple of seconds, and then maybe a little bit of cash consideration to help balance off the uh, the books there. You can't do that with players, but you do it with coaches, and I think that's where the conversation starts. Let's get to Alvin Kamara real quick before we kind of wrap up here. He, according to Fowler of the Four Letter Network, he says that Alvin Kamara remains without a timetable for potential discipline. Could this mean that we're going to be kind of in a similar situation to what we saw last year where we never know what's going to happen or a suspension might not even happen in 2022? Yeah, it's 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 certainly a possibility. And, I mean, look, this uh, this case has already been uh, – has already been – continued or, or postponed twice uh, the first time was because the court hearing was set to happen before Alvin Kamara's team even got a hold of any evidence no one gave them evidence and then going into the second time when it was rescheduled the, for the first time they had gotten evidence but not with enough time to be able to review it before the hearing and then now they've pushed the hearing uh, to August so we'll see what that ends up happening right that could end up getting pushed again and pushed again and pushed again and then we never see any kind of discipline come from uh, from that situation, but uh, you know, there's also the chance that you know the hearing happens and then this thing moves forward uh, pretty quickly. So the thing to consider here is that, of course, if there's no timetable, it means that it could take longer and we might not see any discipline. But it also could mean that it happens all very quickly and then we see the discipline before the uh, the 2022 season. So it could go one way or another at this time. But this is kind of what happened with Marshawn Lattimore last year, to where this case just kept getting you know weirder and weirder and pushed and pushed until nothing ever happened and ultimately the charges were dropped there in the Marshall Lattimore situation and so certainly if you're the New Orleans Saints you're hoping for a similar outcome when it comes to Alvin Kamara. All right last one here and it's gonna be more more comic relief here after talking about Alvin Kamara stuff. Mm -hmm. Madden 23 ratings are starting to come out and Will Lutz his Madden rating is 78. Is that fair or unfair? Uh these Madden ratings. No, I mean, look, I, I think uh, here's what I'll say. I'll say that it's fair based on the fact that he didn't play in 2021. But I'm really confused about how Madden takes that into consideration because a guy like Christian McCaffrey is still ranked like a 96 or something like that, and the guy has barely played over the course of the last two seasons. So it's interesting to see like where they make these decisions around, ah, oh, this player was injured, so we're just going to give them a really bad grade. Let's just give them a 76 or whatever. But then there are these other situations where like, you're playing a position that gets injured all the time, and you're like, ah, it's Christian McCaffrey, name recognition, give him a 96. So I, I never know what to expect from these guys, but I do think that's too low for Willa. Ross, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, bro. Yeah, buddy, absolutely. Always a pleasure to be here with you. I'll talk to you here soon. Be safe. All right, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast. Appreciate him joining the program as always. We're going to take it one more time out, then we'll get out of here with one final take. And Rob Manfred, you're on my crosshairs, bro. Let's go ahead and talk about that next right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Before we close up shop here on Under the Dome, CD has just one more take to fire off before he drops the mic. Is it going to be a take that lands on the Scoville scale? Or is it going to be as cold as the pizza in your fridge? Let's listen in and find out. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. One final take before we get out of here and go enjoy my weekend. And I think 
we need to focus in on Rob Manfred. Once again, he continues to be a guy that's trying to reinvent the wheel instead of focusing on growing the game. Because this past week we had the All-Star game. And the All-Star game's lost a lot of its luster over the last couple years. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you have Rob Manfred running things. And they had a situation in place to where if, big if, it comes to extra innings, if there's a tie at the end of regulation, you have a home run derby, which is a cool idea, which I hope never is brought up ever again because it is a complete joke and a complete travesty. And yes, Tuesday night was a big night for the MLB All-Star game because they actually hit the most watched program that particular night with 7.51 million viewers. Here's the thing. That's nine. That's a 9% drop in numbers. And it's a record low since 2015. They've been hitting lower and lower and lower since Rob Manfred, don't call him man, he's been absolutely bringing this thing on down the line for, for a while. Somehow he can't grow the game. He needs to focus on doing that instead of trying to reinvent the wheel and changing different things. Now, now, now the shift ban makes sense. Banning the shift makes perfect sense in the long run. I want to make sure I enunciate it there. That way it didn't sound like I said one of the seven deadlies. But we think about that. That's where I'm at when it comes to Rob Manfred. Quit reinventing the wheel. Focus on building a brand and growing your game for a younger audience. Because at the end of the end of the day, the demographic for baseball skews a little bit more towards the old heads. Luckily, I'm one of the few that is still a fan at the age of 33. But I'm an anomaly. That's about all I got for this week's show. Appreciate you listening in. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. And this has been Under the Dome with CD.